Good morning, everybody. How you doing? At least I got, you know, one good and a couple of woos. Hey, that's good news. Okay, a couple more woos. Yay. Um, I'm going to do things a little different this morning. I, I think that's good. We're continuing uh, a sermon. We're continuing a sermon into week two because last week just, I just didn't have the time, you know? And, and God's like, you know what, this is going to continue. I'm really excited about this because it's, it's a sermon that I titled, Growing Into His Hands. Uh, a lot of times we feel like we don't need to grow into His hands because we can just be in His hands. And you're right, you can just be in His hands. But sometimes God wants to cultivate something in us and through us to create His kingdom here on this planet. There's power in the Holy Spirit, and when the Holy Spirit shows up, He cannot just show up and not be active. I don't know if you know that about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up and sit, you know? The Holy Spirit doesn't just show up in your life and go, I'm here, but I'm not going to create anything in your life. I'm going to just sit here. We're just going to be friends. We can watch a movie together. He doesn't do that. What He does is He, sa- he shows up, and then weird things start coming out of your mouth, or... Uh, You start walking into places you normally wouldn't walk into, or you start saying things that you have no idea where they're coming from. Like, you start preaching the gospel on the side of the street, but you're just trying to walk through. You're like, Lord, no! But it just starts happening. You start putting hands on people, and they start getting healed because the Holy Spirit's working through you. You're walking around, someone accidentally bumps up against you, and they get healed. And you're like, whoa, the Holy Spirit doesn't just show up to sit down and watch a movie with you. He shows up to produce fruit through you. So there might be something that you're talking to somebody, they don't have joy, but you got joy. And all of a sudden they have joy because they're talking to you. Because the Holy Spirit is working through you, whether you see it or not. See, we want to grow into the hands of God, not because we can fit in there already, but because we want to become his hands. We want to become his feet. We want to become his eyes, his ears, his mouthpiece. We want to become his nose. Are y'all smelling for Jesus today? I know, that's funny. Someone need to take a bath. Just kidding. But we want to be those people. We want to be the people that, that say, I'm in it for the long haul. I want to be that person that other people look at and they look at me and say, yeah, I desire to be like that. I don't desire to be him. No one desires to be me. But I desire to be like that. I want the world to see it and go, man, I want whatever he's got. I want to walk out into the world. I want to ride my bike into the world. I want to go over to bike world And I want to be the person that people want to be, not because I ride a bike, not because I can walk outside, but because of who the Holy Spirit is through me. But i got to grow into his hands. i got to grow into his hands. I don't want to just be a handhold randomly. I want to grow into his hands and be there permanently. How many of us are there? How many of us never lose the handhold of God, or we, we feel like we're always in his presence and he's always got a hold of us? See, it's so hard to fathom, but God is sitting there saying, I'm never letting go. Here's the problem. We try to, as a kid, remember your parents would try to hold your hand. You're like, no, I want to run in the parking lot. Like, I want to run in front of traffic. 
when we run into spiritual traffic, we've, we've pulled away from God. And it's like that, but God wants to grab your hand, and he can rescue you at any moment, because that's who God is. But we have to grow into his hand where that's our comfort. Here's it, this, right? Uh, am I in the wrong one? Yeah, I'm not, I'm right here. Awesome. First Corinthians uh, 10 states this. This is what I love. Before you get into that, it's verse 10, uh, or chapter 10, verse 27. Uh, when we fit into the hands of God, our thoughts change. When we spend time growing into the hands of God, we start acting different and thinking different. We start being who God has called us to be. So this is what 1 Corinthians 10, verse 27 says. It says, if someone who isn't a believer asks you home for dinner, accept the invitation if you want to. He gives you a choice. He always gives you a choice. But then he says this, eat whatever is offered to you without raising question of conscience. Conscious. But suppose someone tells you this meat was offered to an idol. Don't eat it. It's not because it was offered to an idol. It's because of something else. Check this out. Out of, con- out of consideration for the conscience of the one who told you. It's not because it was offered to the idol that makes it unworthy of being eaten. It's because of the conscience of the person who told you it was sacrificed for an idol. It's for the person, not for the God who doesn't exist. Does that make sense? And so what we, what we are to do is be considerate of the person, not the practice. And I think if I were to clean that up even more, we would have a consideration of the person, not the identity someone has placed on a person. Not the identity that that person has said, this is mine, this is who I am. We're putting consideration on the person, the person, the person who God values. We're putting consideration on him or her. And God is sitting there saying, don't eat it. Don't eat it. If someone's like, hey, I can't, you know, hey, come eat, but you can't eat this. Are you going to eat that? Some of y'all are like, Yes. God says, don't. He says, if someone comes over, what was that? Was that your can? We're going to have to talk. Check this out. It it considers, it goes on, and and it says this in verse 29. It might not be a matter of conscience for you, right? But it is for the other person. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? Let me read that again. For why should my freedom be limited by what someone else thinks? Some of y'all might be sitting there going, because I thought about this, because it's telling me, hey, you can't eat that if they say it's been, well, Lord, if I want to do what I want to do, I'm free. I can do what I want to do. And he said, it's it's like a rhetorical question. Why should my freedom be limited? Because that's how the world wants us to think. Oh, don't do that. Well, why should, why should I let, don't call them that. Why should I go off what they say? They live in this world. I'm going to get to it. Let's read on. 
says this in verse 30. If I can thank God for the food and enjoy it, why should I be condemned for eating it? Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. How do I get the glory of God? How do I produce the glory of God? If God tells, tells me, hey, this person said that it's an idol and you can't eat that food, but you go and eat it, are you producing the glory of God? It's because it's about the consideration of the other person saying, Lord, I'm going to consider their conscience and I'm going to not do it because they told me it was burnt for their God. And they don't want it to be eaten. Because typically you do not eat someone's burnt sacrifice. You just don't do it. Because we're created to be peacekeepers. We were told to be peacekeepers. I'm going to get there. We're going to get there. It's, it's a process. Go with me on this. So do it all for the glory of God. Verse 32. Don't give offense to Jews or Gentiles or the church of God. I too try to please everyone. Man, I'm pleasing everyone because I want to please God. I'm not trying to make an argument with someone because I want God to be found in this. How many times do we want to start an argument because someone believes something different than we do? Knock it off! Because the argument doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, God the Father, they matter. But oftentimes we get caught in our own disagreements. And normally it's dumb like politics, you know? And we, we get caught up in that, and it's like, what's the point? I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. How many of us have walked around on this planet in the last week and tried to please everyone in everything we do every second of our day? That's what Paul's saying right now. We are trying. If you are, great. How many have succeeded? Right? Okay, and when you don't succeed, you go, Lord, forgive me. Help me try this again. And when we say everyone, who are we talking about? Just the people that are nice to us? Trust me, yesterday I was trying. The rain came out, you know? When the rain comes out and the clouds cover, people don't end up being happy. It's weird. Is it just me or is it the clouds, you know? Like, we still have to treat them with respect and love them and care for them. And, and we do it because we want to bring glory to God, not to ourselves. We, we have to. I, too, try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I want you to think about that. In the past week, how many times have we ever done anything that's just best for us, and it kind of runs over somebody, oh, over our lifetime? We do what's best for us, and it runs over somebody. It destroys somebody. It messes with somebody. It's not our job to mess with people. It's not our job to run over people. It's our job to be there for them. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the king of your life, if he's the master of everything you do, if he's the, the, the master, he's the, the alpha and the omega, if he's the prince of peace, what are we doing running over people? Our job is not to run over them, but bring peace into their life. But Ben, I don't know how to do that. Great. I know a guy. His name starts with H. He has a second name. It starts with S. And it sounds like spirit. Oh, wait. It is spirit. 
And he shows up and he creates a peace in lives that's beyond our understanding. When we walk into a room and we have the Holy Spirit, the room becomes peaceful because he works before us and after us and around us. And because I carry him, he's going to start invading people's lives with things they don't want, like peace. Ah, man. Am I too angry today? I apologize. I'll, I'll step back. This is good news. It really is. It's like, hey, the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you don't just sit there because the Holy Spirit starts moving in people who are angry and you just show up and you go, you know what? I'm just going to pray over this room. All of a sudden you're praying and you're not a prayer. You're like, Holy Spirit, calm. Calm the winds. Calm the storm. Calm the... The tragedy, calm everything, calm the hearts, calm the minds, calm the, the bodies, calm everything. Bring the temperature down, Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, the waters stop, the wind stops, the rains stop, and God shows up, and now you can have real life church. And they're not even believers. See, the Holy Spirit opens up a pathway for us to bring the glory to God. He ends this section of scripture with this. He says, this is Paul. He says, I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. Man, it's not about me. It's about others because it's about God. Here at West Des Moines, we say loving God and others well, better, kind of. Like, you put in whatever at the end. But we try to love God. Number one, love God. Number two, and people well. But half the time, we're, we're so busy arguing with our enemy that we're not loving God by loving our enemy. Half the time, we're so busy arguing with someone we used to call friend that we can't love God because we don't love our friend. Because we're destroying them rather than raising their hands up saying, I'm in this fight with you. We can disagree and still be warriors together. God will clear and change the minds because we're going to get in the word and he's going to renew us. He's going to renew us. It's not our job. It's his job. We just have to start reading the word of God. Because where do we find our renewal? In the word. In the word of God. So out of all of that, no matter what you heard there, this, this is the point I want to make. That God deserves all, any kind of glory that we receive. He gets it. Oh man, you did real good on that job. Oh man, you, you, you were so nice. Lord, thank you for making me nice in that moment. Lord, I give you the glory for that compliment. God, thank you for helping me do the work you needed me to do to make that compliment happen. It's all yours, God. Lord, I need you here. I need you every second of every day. Lord, I can't do this. Lord, thank you. You get the glory for the breath in my life. You get the glory of every single breath of my day because, Lord, it's all yours. You give him all your glory. Lord, that heartbeat... That heartbeat that just beat it in my life, that's yours. Thank you. I want to give you the glory for that. 
because you designed that, you made that, you created that, you made it go where it needs to go. Thank you for my toes and my feet, and if I'm missing any, thank you. Because you get the glory for the trial of having to learn to balance again. You get the glory for the trial that's in front of me right now. You get the glory for the trial that's going to come. You get the glory for the tribulation I have to walk through because of my belief in you. You get all of the glory because I'm not just going to hold it back for myself. Oh, look at me. I'm walking the path of Jesus. Nah. Nah. Because it's not about looking at me. It's about looking at him. In everything we do, Lord, you get the eyesight. When someone goes, man, you're so good. Oh, man, just turn your eyes to Jesus because he's the one that did this mess. Like, he's the one that created this this monster. He's the one that's going to destroy everything in my life that's worldly and put his gold streets there because I want his kingdom to invade this earth. And if I'm allowing it to happen, then the Holy Spirit's sending me. He's not just sitting down watching a movie with me. Or this month watching the tour to France, you know? It's on. Me and Holy Spirit are going to go watch some bicycles. They don't just do lap. DD, DD. They they go up hills, down hills, left and right. It's not NASCAR. You know? It's like, woo, whoop. They were going up a five. I've got to tell a little story. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. I was watching it this morning. Check this out. Men and women who do the Tour de France the two different times. Uh, they have so much training in their life that they can go up a 5% grade, which to some of you in cars, you might think, oh, that's nothing. But you get on a bike and it will stop you. And they're going up 27 miles an hour on their own, their own power. Jesus wants to do that with us in our lives when we face the spiritual hills. But if we're not living to praise him and give him the glory, we will never have access to the power of the Holy Spirit to get us to that point where we can really knock out the mountain of torture and pain that God is allowing us to go through. But he's calling us to do it now. There's no, there was a point I watched that. The Holy Spirit watched it with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. So maybe he does sit down and watch a movie with you. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I'm just saying. He'll, he'll be there with you. So we are growing and learning what it means to become more like Christ. Every single day of our life. And our goal is to say this. Lord, I need you in my life. Wherever you're going to take me, I want to learn from you. Wherever you're going to keep me, I want to learn from you. Wherever you're going to put me, I want to learn from you. I'm going to put myself in the Bible. I'm going to put myself into prayer. I'm going to put myself into worship. But Lord, when I have to go to work, I need you to put me. Because I want to learn from you. I want to learn the experiences you have for me. I don't want to be shy when it comes to sharing your gospel. I don't want to be shy when it comes to sharing the words you put on my heart. I don't want to be shy when I have an encouraging word for somebody. Because the Holy Spirit's going to teach you in those moments. There's a reason that the disciples were sent out to go do ministry. It wasn't just to stand still and just learn and and just be with Jesus. I'm sure they would rather be with Jesus, but they had to go out to learn how to do what God's calling us to do. Do you hear me? That it wasn't just about sitting at the feet of Jesus. It was also about taking what you just heard, going out, putting it into practice, and growing closer to him when you're not with him. Too often, 
too often we go back and go, how do I grow in the hands of God? Let me, let me do this. Should I? Oh, Jesus, thank you so much. Let me get my word out. And we just sit there and read. And it's good. I don't want to mock that. That's good. But if this is the place we're going to stay, our knees will end up being like this forever. And how active do you become when you're in a crisscross applesauce? Some of y'all can't even do this anymore. But spiritually, some of us have been this way for a very long time. And spiritually, we can't even get up because we're so crippled because of our own disobedience to the action of Christ. And he's saying, hey, I've, I've tried. I've tried. I'll show up. He'll show up. He'll produce a miracle. You will get the lubricant you need spiritually to get up and move. He will do it. The Holy Spirit will show up, but you've got to desire it. So when he does that and you start standing up, you're going to notice you're a little weak and you're going to need more Holy Spirit than ever before. And he's going to be there and he's going to show up. And when you walk in and he says, I need you to, I need you to speak. I need you to share. I need you to go hug somebody. I need you to give them an encouraging word. Hey, man, your hair looks real good today. Real good. Hey, Red, man, I, I wish I had that tone. You know, that was, that's real good on you. It probably wouldn't be good on me, but it looks real good on you. Like, you got to be ready to give an encouraging word, even when you don't mean it. You know, like, I love you, Red. Thank you. I love you, man. I do mean it. It looks real good on you. But that's the reality. Like, even when God gives you an encouraging word and you're like, man, Lord, I, don't, oh, I hate that person. It's time to calm your soul and go give him the encouraging word. God's got a big plan. He's got a big plan. I know we don't get along, but man, all I know is Jesus wants to do something in your life, through your life. He wants to move you. He wants to motivate you. You might not even be motivated right now, but let me tell you, your motivation will be found a one mile into your ride. Your motivation will be found one mile into your walk. Your motivation will be found one minute into where you're pursuing him. So start pursuing him. How often do we get that encouraging word that says, hey, God, you're in control. Now I can give you the glory. Now I can give you the power. Now I can, Lord, this life is all yours because you get the glory. We don't go around our world going, man, Jesus, you get the glory for this step. Man, Jesus, thank you for allowing me to take five steps. Thank you for letting me take five breaths. We don't think about the small things, but the small things are what make the big things real. It's the small steps, it's the small breaths, it's the small, small heartbeats that we need to thank God for and give him the glory for before we can give him the glory for the save, salvations that come through the power of the Holy Spirit through us. Did that make sense? Do I need to redo that? God's, God's chosen a group of people to hear this today. And he's moving in us so that we don't become silent or stagnant. But we say, Lord, I want to think different because I don't want to just learn out of the word of God. I want to go out. You sent them two by two. Let me find my buddy. Because I'm about ready to leave, leave Des Moines and go to Norwalk and start sharing the gospel. Uh-oh. I'm thinking a little bit more strategic now. I can't stay in West Des Moines. I'm going to go invade East Des Moines. Like, East Side. Like, watch out. That West Sider's coming. It's scary. It's scary when a west sider walks over because east side, like, they scatter. That's what I've heard. I don't know. <laughs> if you're from the east side, come invade west side, man. We need some of that. Like, 
We need that life because God is real in you and the Holy Spirit is alive in you. And if he's alive and producing, then you can't help it but go. You can't help it but listen to God and obey him and run the way he's saying run and walk the way he's saying walk and ride the way he's saying ride and speak the way he's saying speak. Check this out. It's coming. It's coming. And some of us are going to be smacked right in the face. Are you ready? Verse 7 in Colossians 3 says this. It says, you used to do these things when your life was still a part of this world. Did I miss something? Nope. But now is the time to get rid of. Okay, y'all got your notes out? You're going to write down a few words, and you're going to write this. Get rid of. Get rid of. Check this out. Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. So what we're going to do, because we're growing in Christ, we're going to get rid of our anger, our rage, our malicious behavior, our slander, and our dirty language, and we're going to get rid of all the lies that have ever come out of our mouth. I love this because so many people think, well, I can have righteous anger. Who are we? Who are we to determine when righteous anger comes on us or not? How many times in our life have we, have we gone, man, I got angry, but it was okay because it's righteous. Who's righteous? Who's righteous are we defined here? Because the only righteous anger that I've ever seen in the Bible is through Jesus who had the Holy Spirit. He was full of it. And he goes in, and and as he's full of it, he he walks out of that temple because he has to spend some time. You know how it's righteous? You spend some time making something. If it's still there, and you sense the Holy Spirit, you make sure it's the Holy Spirit, you take the right steps that it's the Holy Spirit, then you let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit needs to do. I'm 39. I've never seen. So disruptive. I've never seen someone have authentic, righteous anger. Period. I've seen people have anger under their own power. But for 39 years, I've never seen it because normally the anger is pointed at someone, not at something. I want you to think about that story where Jesus walks into the temple. He, wasn't, he, he was mad at the people, but here's the thing. He, he's, his anger rested on the sin that they were committed. The thing. He wanted to love the people. He wanted to love the people, and I, I know that because there's story after story. The woman at the well. We have the woman caught in adultery. We have Zacharias, Zach, Zacchaeus, whatever, we man. Um, we, have, we have Peter who messed up time and time. He was a wee man. He was a little guy. Like, he was a wee little man. Did he relate? Um, woman. Woman. But you know what I'm saying? Like, like, so often in the Bible, we have these stories of people who created or were in the midst of sin. But Jesus showed us how to love the people in the midst of the sin and not agree with the sin. But half the time... We're mad at the person and we're letting them know we're mad that they're sinning. And man, you're doing wrong. You're going to hell and all this. No! There's hope around the corner. 
You don't know what Jesus is going to do if you just love them and hug them and care for them. You don't know what Jesus is going to do when you say, man, the sin is in your life, but I'm not the controller of your salvation. Jesus is. The Holy Spirit can come down and meet you right now, and Jesus can show up in your life, and the sin can be erased from your story. How many times do we think of sin erased from our story? We sing a song. I'm going to read something that I wrote down. Why do we think we don't deserve the love of the Father? Oh, it's my sin. It's my past. I'm not worthy, Lord. I'm not worthy of this life that you've given. But Jesus, but Jesus, that's my answer to all of that. But Jesus, because God sent his son, because God sees your value. He sees the people around you. He sees their value. He sees the people at the grocery store and at, at the supermarket and the, the superstores, the box stores, the mom-pa shops, the restaurants. He sees the people on the streets. He sees the people that are, are at the car wash. Come on, Tony. He sees the people at the bakery. He sees the people at the bookstore. He sees the people at the accountant office. He sees the people in the police cars. He sees the people that are driving those police cars. He sees the people all around us. And he says, I see the value, so I'm sending my son, Jesus, to earth. And because he sent Jesus, Jesus lived and died and came back to life because of our worth. You're not worth it? You don't have value? Lord, I'm not worth it. You do. That's why Jesus came. Because God saw value in you. Jesus said, or God, Jesus said this to uh, one of the high priests. He said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He goes on to say, I did not come to condemn this world. I came to save it. For your sin has already condemned you. See, we can be mad at the person all we want because, man, okay, whatever. But the thing is, is that Jesus, Jesus tells us, even today, when our anger gets the best of us, I still see your value. When rage gets the best of us, when we're around someone, cut you off. <laughs> and you, you drive by and flip them off, Jesus sees your value. And he's still there. And he's still knocking at your door going, I'm right here. Repent. Come, believe in me. Because you're worth it. You have that value. You have the value to be in his hand at all times. Do you see that? He wants to have your hand at all times because you're worth it. You're worth watching over. You're worth walking with. You're worth sleeping next to. You're worth having breakfast with him. You're worth having lunch with him, dinner with him. You're worth the time he spends with you. When you don't feel it, wait a second. You're worth the second. He'll show up. When you, he's late on your clock, he's not late on his clock. He's coming. Be patient. It might take days. It might take years, but he's on his way. Be faithful with what he's doing. Be hopeful for what he has already done. He's coming. 
He's right there. And we're just going to work on ourselves. We're going to get rid of our anger, our rage, our malicious behavior, our slander, and our dirty language. We're going to start stop lying because we're going to start putting on the new self, the self that's found in Christ, and we're going to give the glory to God. And it goes on. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. Every day as we become like Christ, we become renewed. We, we gain that new perspective. We gain that new truth that, that Jesus has known forever, but we, for some reason, just don't get. But he's still carving us. He's still molding us. He's still implanting these ideas in our mind. He's still creating in us. And he, he continues with this in verse 11. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are Jew or Gentile, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. It doesn't matter what walk of life you've come from. Jesus wants to know you and live in you. And that's all that matters. When we're out on the street, it doesn't matter what sin we're doing or what sin they're doing or what sin. Jesus wants to know each of us. And he finds value in us. You're not worthless. You're worth something. You're worth an entire life that could have just stayed here on this planet for eternity, but chose to die on the cross, steal the key from Satan himself, and bring it back because it's the key of life that would produce life in us and through us and in eternity. See, Jesus came to conquer death, sin, and the grave, not for him, but for his Father, because he's the one that gets the glory. And in turn, because of that, because of that, the value was found in you. God sees you. He knows your value. And it doesn't matter who you are. He still knows your value. And we are to become that peace that everybody needs. In Colossians 3 Verse 12, it says this. Since God chose you. Everybody say, chose me. Yeah, since God chose you, right? You believe it? Did he choose you? Did he move you? Did he change you? Is he molding you? He chose you. He's bringing something new in you. He's developing something creative in you that you never knew you had. He's developing something strategic in you you've never been a strategic person but he's doing it it's out of your control it's his will you hold on to it will you grab onto it will you take that train for a ride because he wants to do that he wants to give you a ride to strategy he wants to give you a ride for creativity he wants to give you a ride that you thought you never knew you could be a part of and he wants to do that you want to be a public speaker just ask the lord because he'll make it happen for his glory he'll make it happen you don't want to be a public speaker? You want to be a backstage person designing things, making things run right? Ask him. You might not have the talent, but God will show up and you'll have the gift. You'll have that gift. Check this out. He goes on. He chose you to be the holy people he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy. Okay, so before we read this verse that said, get rid of anger, rage, malicious be behavior, slander, and dirty language. Now he's saying, hey, now you have to clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Those, those are all fruit of the Spirit. Those come with the Holy Spirit. And then it says this, verse 13, make allowance for each other's faults. I don't care what part of life you're in, make allowance for other people's faults. 
Where they sin, you're not making an allowance for the sin, you're making an allowance for the person. Jesus loves them still. He wants to grab their heart still. He wants to know them still. He, he has a plan for them. They don't see it yet, but he, he has a plan. He's creating something for them. What are we doing to help that plan on? What are we doing to help that person see their value? Because their value is more than anything we could ever put on this earth. Their value is more than an a attaboy from me. Their, their value is something kingdom-minded. Remember that from last week? We're supposed to put our, our thoughts on the things of the kingdom of heaven? Well, that's what God's asking us to do. Help them see the value that they have. Because it's kingdom-minded. It's heavenly. It's godly. It's not worldly. It's his. But we want to fit into God's hand. And yet, half the time, can I say this? Half the time, we don't do what God's asking us to do. It goes on. It says this. It says, uh, and forgive anyone who offends you. I could just stop right there and let you guys think on that and walk away. How many, how many of y'all ever been offended? Okay. Someone, someone tried to offend me. They literally, when they find out I'm a pastor, sometimes they, they mock me. Um, I'm not going to say where because it doesn't matter. But they mock me. And they go, hey, buddy, Jesus loves you. And I'm like, are you trying to get under my skin? Because here's the thing. He might love me, but he loves you more because you need it. He loves you more because you need it. I, I, I know he loves me. You don't know that yet, but I'm going to tell you, he loves you because you need it more. He loves you way more than me. Here's the thing. If I ever get offended at something, I got to turn to God and go, what's wrong with me, God? What's wrong with me? Why am I feeling this way towards this person? Because Jesus, you need to know them. Or, Lord, we need the Holy Spirit to connect us. If it's another follower of Jesus, I need this, I need this relationship because i got to walk out with, with people. I don't want to walk out by myself. I want to walk with them. So my offense will only create, like I said a few months ago, it will only create offense between me and that other person. So I got to put it to the side. I got to put my emotions to the side and go, Lord, what's wrong with me? I want to correct this before it becomes a thing. You know? And so we have to forgive anyone who offends us. Remember the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We say it every week. Love God and people well. It's what brings unity. Well, we got to do that better. But here's the thing. People have a misdefinition of love. How am I Christing somebody? How am I showing them what he did? How am I loving them how he did? How am I showing up in their life like he did? How am I showing up in their life like God did by sending Jesus? I can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's hard, but that's where we need to be. And it continues, and it says... And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. And always be thankful. Right? I already, I already read that. Fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. 
sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. I want to read something that we typically read earlier on, but this is the thing that I want to get. You want to grow into God's hand? We got to start thinking different. We got to stop putting titles on people. We got to stop allowing those titles to tell us who someone is and rather start getting to know them. But I want to tell you right now, if you think you have a title on you, check this out. If you are a saint, a sinner, abused, abuser, heartbroken, homeless, homebound, whore, lost, fearful, ADHD, liar, hypocrite, bastard, lover, cutter, tweaker, junkie, alcoholic, Alone, adopted, abandoned, left over, addicted, divorced, disillusioned, LGBTQ+, old, young, cheater, wealthy, poor, wise, despised, infected, rejected, pierced and tatted, or just a misfit, or anything else. You're not only welcome here, but you don't own that title anymore because Jesus is going to interrupt your life. Welcome to the family. Jesus wants to call you child, not broken wants to call you his, not theirs. He wants to call you home, forgiven, chosen, not left over, abandoned, addicted. He's calling you to him. But half the time when people meet us, they feel like what they used to be called. Knock it off. Start showing them that Jesus says, you're welcome in my arms. You're welcome where I go. I want to fit in those hands, and so does everybody else. They just might not know it yet. Man, I don't care what kind of life you live, what kind of life you're living, what, what kind of life you used to live. I don't care what you used to be called, what you're called now. I don't care about any of that because Jesus has a new name and a new title for you. And I don't know what your name is to him, but I know your title is child. And your title is son. And your title is daughter. And your title is his. He's calling you home. He died on the cross. He shared with that priest that one day that it takes belief in Jesus. Towards the end of his ministry, he looked at the high priest and he said, now it's too late. You could have, but now it's too late. You've been shut off. And he went to the cross. Because of the rest of us, he went to the cross because we are broken. Ah, we were broken. But because of who he is, he puts us back together. He molds us and he fills in the gaps because he is who he says he is. He is our Lord. He is our Savior. He is our master craftsman. He is everything we need. And if we're stuck on something, he's our freedom giver. He is the way. Right? We sing that. You're the way maker, God. He doesn't just make a way. He is the way. And when a miracle needs to happen, it goes through him. <laughs> like, when you need joy, you don't find it on the street corner. It goes through him. He is our helper. You want to fit in his hand? Grow in him and allow him to do what he needs to do through you. Don't hesitate. Go. Make it happen. I want to pray with people. Um, and I, I want to pray with you. Maybe you're sitting there going, man, I don't know about this Jesus thing, but what you heard today 
kind of resonating with you, I, w- I just want you to sit there, every head bow, every eye closed. I want your hand to just go up real quick. Maybe you're like, I don't know, Jesus, I, I need you back in my life. I- I've been walking away. I've been walking this hard journey, but I need you back in my life. And I, I need that title erased in my life because I've, I've been living that title. I've been trying to not focus on it, but I need to get rid of it. Man, I've been living a time, maybe I've been living a life of throwing stones. Throwing stones. Like Jesus shows up in my life, and he says, the first person without sin cast the first stone. But I can't, I can't pick up that stone anymore. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. When you're walking through wherever, if you've heard the voice of God and he said, I need you to go hands on somebody. I need you to go give an encouraging word. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray with you that the Lord will give you more courage and more stamina, more ability because I want to see the Holy Spirit start showing up in places that you never thought he could. If you're working in the school system and you feel like, oh man, if I share God I might lose my job. I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray some, some powerful prayer over you. Maybe you're struggling and you just need prayer. I want to pray for you. Heavenly Father, Lord, For those that are saying, I need you in my life for the first time, Lord. I want you to come into my life. I want you to to wreck me. I want you to take the rubble of my life that I've created in my heart. I want you to just clean it up. Lord, I want you to start putting your foundation in my life. Lord, I want to know you. I want to repent. Lord, forgive me for everything I've done, everything I'm going to do, everything I'm doing. anyone who hasn't given him the glory that he deserves and you want to try again I want you to raise your hand for Lord for anybody who is discouraged anyone who's been living with a title Lord I want I want to ask you that you would erase that title from their lives that they would never go back to the title that they would they would stick with the title of child of God And Lord, that you would remind them day after day after day that they belong to you and that nothing can come in between you and them. And Lord, that when they don't feel it, they're reminded still, but they just keep on going because they know they're gonna find you around the corner. They know they're gonna meet you when they talk to that next person and share your goodness with them. Lord, I pray for everybody else in here that you would, you would allow them to remember, Lord, I need to give you the glory for my steps. I need to give you the glory for my heartbeat. I need to give you the glory for my blinks. Lord, I need to give you the glory for everything major or minor in my life. For anyone else, Lord, that I've forgotten, Lord, I pray that you would just, Holy Spirit, just fall on them, just conquer them, just come in and, and mess up their life, Lord. Because what messes them up by you creates them for you so lord make us jesus come be with us and don't let it just stop when we walk out of this place lord let our hearts be on you let our minds be on you lord i pray that you would just you would create us for the mission field that starts when we leave that you would mold us for the mission field that starts when we leave because lord we're your disciples and we want to grow in you we want to do things through you and you never leave us nor forsake us. So Lord, help us be those missionaries for our city, for our state, for our country, or for wherever you put us. Lord, strengthen us, give us courage, stamina. Let us be the people you've called us to be, the children that you've called us to be, 
and let us raise up that banner. I am a child of God. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done. All hands can go down. Thank you, Father, for everything you've done in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Enjoy.